And I got a little quick, uh, quick. Either because when I got locked up back in 2002, 
Now, mind you, this is the very first time I've ever been arrested. I was 42 years old, and I had two children, one 14 and one 10 years old. Now, both of them uh, were in grade school. My daughter was just graduating. Let's call it from a federal prison. Both of them were in uh, the number one or number two in their class ranks. Uh, they were doing remarkably well in school. After I was locked up and my ex-wife was forced to try to support the family and the kids and be away and all that, both of them ended up graduating high school right at the 50% level. I mean, that, that's the kind of effect that it has on, on families and on people that aren't the ones directly locked up. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, you know, we, we've talked, uh, I don't know how many times about the the collateral effect, the collateral damages of incarcerating people for nonviolent offenses and, and you know, any nonviolent offense, and especially a victimless offense, um, and, and what it does to families and what it does to, you know, uh, it, the, the, the second and third degree effects go out forever. And I, I talk to people whose parents and grandparents that have been incarcerated and there's relationships that are that are damaged, destroyed, and others that never got a chance to be. And you know that's just that's just the easy part of this. Not to mention the, you know the the marriages, the careers, the the hopes, the dreams, the potentials, and all of that that gets tossed into the garbage disposal along with, you know, your rights as as you get incarcerated. Now, Back in the end of August, I had an article published by the Daily Caller and in a bunch of other places. As I contrasted myself to somebody that's right down the corridor from me here at, uh, uh, at the Terre Haute Prison, and he was arrested a year after me in Afghanistan for shooting at CIA agents and, uh, and Army Rangers that were going into uh, Afghanistan right after the events of September 11th. And uh, he killed three of the CIA agents. He was given a 20-year sentence for providing aid to terrorists. He went home July of this year. But yet I'm still here because uh, the way our laws are set up, he can murder the CIA agents to help them and go home after 17 years with, you know, with this good time credit. But had he given marijuana to the terrorists, He'd be serving a life sentence just like me. There's, there's something wrong with our laws. You can read the article I, that is published at the Daily Caller under my name. Yeah, we we have uh, we have taken that uh, that article and shared it around more than once. Um, you know, because it's it's so uh, it's such a stark bit of truth that just stares at you in the midst of all of the. Uh, you know what we think is 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 reality. You know you got you got people that have committed violent crimes all day long, and victim crimes with victims. You know you hear about rapists, you hear about burglars, you hear about uh, people that have have tortured people, people that have you know committed you know like you say acts of terrorism. You know some of the most heinous crimes out there, and and certainly crimes with victims, and in some period of time. They're back on the streets, and yet you've got people like yourself and others who are serving life without possibility of parole for a crime that didn't even have a victim or a victim's family. Yeah, 
Bobby, thanks. This was because you keep bugging me. Somehow I lost Craig. God damn it. All right, well, anyways, um, this is a clusterfuck, folks. Um, I'm trying to do a Zoom feed right now, and that's not working. Um, I had Craig on, and I hung up on him because I was being bothered. And so now I'm going to have to tell the people on YouTube that I'm going to have to turn you off. I'm going to turn off the other computer that didn't work because we're trying to do this shit at the last second. And we're going to go log into Zoom, and we're going to try that again. So bear with me, folks. We're trying something new. This is why prior proper planning prevents piss-poor performance. And this is the piss-poor performance that prior proper planning would prevent. Okay? So here we go. Next time, let's plan this shit out ahead of time. All right, folks. If you can go on to Facebook, you're going to have to because I don't have any other way, or you can call in and listen, 646-929-2495. Just call in the regular number, and for prison, he's got to call my cell number. He can't call, I don't think he can call the, um, oh, God, this is a nightmare. I have another prisoner that's supposed to be calling in, but he needs to call my cell phone. He can't call the call-in line, or they're they're not going to let him in. So you need to get that number to him to call my cell phone. That's the only way it'll work. All right, I'm hanging up on YouTube. Hope they're saying the Facebook feed's not working either, but I don't know. Try again. Hopefully that will be working. No, it's working. All right. Well, maybe share it where they can see it. Let's uh-huh. try that. Okay, I'm gonna hang up on you guys. I'm gonna try to get on Zoom, and we're gonna have another wonderful show here. So good night. You guys, and let's try Zoom. All right. And then, Becca, you got a couple of calls on here if you can check. Hopefully you can hear me because I don't even know if that's working. But there's an 808 call and a 404 call. Hopefully you can screen those and let me know who I'm looking at. And give me a second, folks. We're going to try to get the Zoom line on. Oh, I love last-minute stuff. It just makes me so happy. Where's my spray? I got a new spray. I'm going to go get you. What flavor should, do you want? I should have some. Give me some peppermint. You got it. That's coming yeah, right up. That would be great. I got a new AOK spray. And let's see. Thank you for the silence, folks. That makes for the best radio ever. All right, let's see what we got. Now maybe we can find the Zoom link. And we'll keep on going. Here we go. Come on, come on. We're sick of dope. And let's try that. Oh, yeah. So, Becca, I don't know if you can hear me, but, again, I've got two callers that are not being screened right now or haven't been screened. And let's try this. And we're joining with the video. All right, now I'm waiting for them to bring me in. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, we got something now. Yay! How's it going? Oh, what a clusterfuck. We hung up on Craig while Bobby was trying to get a hold of me because my other computer wasn't working, so... Yeah, hang on. I'm trying to bring up my audio so they can hear you. 
because in order for this thing to work right, the audio needs to be loud enough. All right, here we go. Check one, two. Start recording in a second as soon as you're ready. All right, we're we're ready now. Okay. So now we're going to start this show. Fifteen minutes into it, we uh, we had Craig Cecil on the line, and he was talking to us about uh, not being locked up in the shoe, and then we cut him off. A-OK spray, folks. Takes away the anxiety and the grief. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> it's a new invention. It's nature's oldest, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a new old invention. Absolutely. So, um, basically what I had to do was take out the YouTube stream. So, we don't have a YouTube stream right now. Um, apparently, we still have a Facebook stream. So, we can maybe Facebook stream into this one so you can see Joey and me. And we're trying something new for those of you that are on the, uh, the other line and Maybe next time we'll be able to do all three at the same time. <clears throat> well, anyway, so let's go ahead and begin the show. And um, I feel bad about Craig. <clears throat> I'm going to send him a, an email and let him know what happened. Um, he, he wasn't going to be able to call in for another hour. Possibly, though, we're going to do a special edition on um, Saturday when we do the rally. So hopefully I can get him to call in at the special edition and we'll be able to kind of make up for a little lost time. So we're here on a cup of joe. We're doing something a little different. We've got a Zoom feed, which means that now we have two video screens, and I can actually see the person I'm interviewing for once instead of this. will be live stream on the Walk for Change Facebook page. All right, there we go. So now if we can, uh, if, if we can share that stream around, maybe then they can see both of us. Maybe that's the one we need to get out there. Either way, um, we're learning as we're going, folks. That's how this works. We learn as we go. Um, so here's the deal. I got Joey Lee on, and, and Joey is an, ag an advocate and an activist, and uh, she's got a group called GI Mary Jean, and she's got a, a couple of other groups that she's involved with. She's going to be telling us about her activist work, and she's connected with the Human Solution and the Walk for Change, and we've begun working together, and I'm really excited. We've gained a lot of new allies in this uh, in this activist uh, alliance that we have. I like the word alliance rather than uh, um, that other word I used to use, coalition. Um, never seemed to be good. It was jinx. So alliance seems to be a good word. We're the new alliance. Anyways, we're talking about the Walk for Change, and I wanted to let you guys know this is something that is about ending prohibition, but it's also about um, – our freedom and our liberty and common sense and, and making the government accountable and, and, you know, taking back our own power, the power of the citizen. And I'm going to tell you real quickly as I can a story about um, one of our board members of the Human Solution. Her name's Mary. She screens the show um, more often than not. We call her noncompliant Mary. And she had a horrible thing happen to her. And about Three or four years ago, she bought a piece of property along the American River, and it's a beautiful piece of property. It's way out in the middle of nowhere, and it's in it's in what they call gold country. It's some of the area where, uh, you know, during the gold rush, they had found a lot of gold, and there's still a lot of gold in this place. Um, it, your mic isn't on, or at least I'm not hearing it. Joey? 
Oh, there we go. Better. Much better. Awesome. I got to get a mic like yours. You got a real mic. I'm sitting here working off of a computer mic. <laughs> I love this thing. Oh, I'm going to get one just like it. Well, anyways, um, so Mary and her husband bought this piece of property, and it's beautiful, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, like nowhere. You drive down a ways to get to it, and it's many, many acres. I think it's 70 acres, but I'm not sure on that. It's up against the mountainside. It's up against BLM land, which means there's nobody out there. There's eight properties adjacent along this stretch of area, and every one of these eight properties besides hers has a primary residence dwelling on it. And so there's all these people have houses and, and, and manufactured homes, whatever it is, but they have a primary residence established there. Well, Mary and her husband bought this piece of land, and they were in the process of selling uh, their existing home so that they could build this other home on it. They're, you know, their primary residence. They've been working with the county for El, of El Dorado for two or three years now and working with the planning department and figuring out what they needed to do, and they're slowly getting things set up there, and they had a, a little travel trailer up there that they were staying in some of the time. They had some animals. They had chickens and goats, and, and, um, and they had, you know, the problems that you have in nature. They had a mountain lion killed a bunch of their animals. They had a bear come in and and cause all kinds of problems, and, you know, and, and just so you know, Mary is, I don't know, about five foot nothing, and she's the sweetest lady you ever met. She's been through incredible traumas in her life. Her husband um, fought a battle against the government because he didn't die, and he was claiming benefits of an illness that was supposed to kill him, and when it didn't, the government went back on him and sued him, saying, you defrauded us because he didn't die. So, while she was going through this battle, she found herself in a place that brought her a tr huge, huge trauma um, as a result of law enforcement. And I can't get any more into it than that, but what I'm saying is now, now she went to the planning department, finally sold her house. She has the money set aside to get the permits to build her permanent residence. And she gets up to the planning department, and they tell her, well, um, the guy that you've been working with for the last two years, he's not there anymore. And he was one of those guys that was all about finding an answer to things. Well, the new person isn't. And the new person's about following the rules as they're written, and we don't care about what you were doing before. The rules say this is a special kind of zoning that says you can't put a primary residence on it. And if somebody had one on it before, well, they got some kind of a variance, and that's good for them, but it's not going to help you any. And they say because there's gold there that if somebody decided to go and dig for that gold, you can't have your primary residence in the way. But here's the kicker. They own this land free and clear with no encumbrance. So who the fuck's going to dig gold on their property? They have mining rights. They have water rights. There isn't any reason that anybody could or should or would ever go to their property to dig for gold, except for them. But that's the county's reason to say that they can't do this. So anyways, they spent the whole day over there a few days ago, and Mary calls me up, and she's all distraught, saying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, all this time and energy. Well, it gets worse. So they go home, and the next day she calls me up, and she says, Joe, there's code enforcement and sheriffs at the gate. 
and they're demanding to get in. They say they have a warrant. My husband, I'm not there. My husband is up in the hills, and he's not answering them. He's not responding, and he's afraid, and I'm afraid, and, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, get him the hell out of there for one. You don't want to respond to them right now because you have no idea what this is about. And so he did. He took off, and apparently they came through the property, but they didn't enter any of the dwellings, any of the any of the places where they had stuff stored. And they left. So Mary and Mike went in there, and they got their stuff out that might have been at risk. They had some money stashed there. They had a weapon, they had, you know, this, this is a place where they, they've had their own livestock killed by by predators, you know, you got to have, anybody that lives out there has a weapon, <clears throat> and I think they had a few plants, they got rid of them, but it was a few plants, like 12 plants, like in California, they that's, they had to get rid of them, I mean, that's just elephant in the room. They just got rid of them, yeah, they just wanted to make sure there was nothing that they could possibly have against them, so... They did that in the middle of the night, and then they come back, and the next, yesterday, apparently they came in with a warrant, and with a warrant to enter, and they cut the gate, and they came through there, and uh, they left the warrant behind, the complaint, and apparently, it wasn't about the, the, the potential dwelling, this was about accusations of an illegal grow. And they had some photographs that were from years ago, some satellite pictures. You know, you ever go on to Google Earth and you go and look? Well, that picture that you're looking at isn't today. It might have been last month, six months ago, two years ago. You don't know yeah. when it was. I've moved out of places and my car is still parked in the driveway at Google Earth. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Five. I, I put a swimming pool in my property about ten years ago, and it was about five years ago it showed up. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that it, it's it's not an accurate portrayal of anything. And so, anyways, they come to find out, so she calls me up, and in some way it was a relief because she thought they were out there trying to even determine if she was out. They told her she couldn't stay the night out there. They told her, you cannot camp on your own property. What? Yes. She needs to open a gold not only she can't build a structure, which, I, I, you know, is America, yeah. but she can't even pitch a tent. No, she cannot, she cannot pitch a tent. She cannot have a travel trailer. She cannot leave a vehicle parked overnight. They're actually oh. giving her, like, they're not telling her what hours she can be there or not be there, but they said you cannot stay the night, and that's what they said. And I said, well, shoot, then maybe you don't have to pay full sales or property taxes because if you can't be there, why would you pay property tax for time you don't get to be there? Can she open a gold mine claim? land, and the government's like, no, you can't use it because we said so. Exactly, exactly. Just, just because. Yes, and so the point of this is, if it's for the plants, if it's for the house, if it's for the gold, I don't give a fuck. It's your property. We live in a, in a, in a land of, of laws that are based on property rights. And it goes all the way back to the Magna Carta. If you own something, you own something. And you have rights that say, if I own something, there's only so much you can tell me what I can do and can't do. And it has to do mostly with business, what you can and can't do. And it also has to do with people around you, what you can and can't do. But building a property, I mean a house, on a, on a, on a piece of property that's many acres, um, you would think, by any stretch would be a given, and it, there's no endangered anything there. It's 
all about the gold. So when people ask me, what is this Walk for Change about, that's what it's about. It's about the government is in our shit, and they don't belong there. And we're sitting here going, we don't know what to do, because property land use uh, ordinances and laws are brutal, and they're all they're so um, powerful, and, and there's not like an appellate court to the land use, you know, to the county land use. They have this autonomous thing. It's crazy. You know, with anybody, it would it would take years and lobbying groups and bills, and I mean, yeah, that's just not realistic because by the time you lobby to get those regulations changed, we've evolved, and it needs to be different than. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's great need for reform, not just in the prohibition of cannabis, but the prohibition of building a house on your land. Yeah. I mean, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the second that you start taking away our liberties and, and, our, and our rights, and, you know, I call them constitutional rights, but they're just our inalienable rights. They're just our rights because we live. The Constitution defined them, but they didn't give them to us. The Constitution didn't give those rights to us. Our creator gave them to us. We got them because we breathe and because we have a heartbeat and we have a soul and eyes and, and ears and, and that we exist. That's what gives us the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness as defined and described by some people who had a clue way back when. But those rights are a little more, they're bigger than that, but that's a good way to describe them, you know. And and so that's what this Walk for Change is about. It, it's it's about cannabis prohibition, of course, because that's the obvious elephant in the room, right? You can't grow a plant, really? Okay. You know, and here's the kicker, okay? Now, California law says you can have 12 plants no matter what. If you have a primary residence, oh, nobody thought about that part. If you don't have a primary residence, guess what? You don't get your 12 plants. Wow. Yeah, that's where, yeah, that was the kicker. Nobody thought about that one. Everybody thought, well, I got my 12 plants because I exist. Oh, no, you got to have a place to put them. They have to go on a primary residence. And discrimination. whether you own it, rent it, borrow it, stay with somebody, it's, a, it's connected to that piece of land in that residence. So if you have a house with 20 people, well, 20 people don't get to have 12 plants. There's a total of 24 plants you can have on that primary residence. So good job, Prop 64. Good job, legalization people. You fucked us again. Sorry. Yeah, there's just a lot of work getting done. I mean, I've had more than one person tell me, what are you going to do? Like, there's no more, you don't, you don't need to lobby anymore, prohibition players. It's not. It's not. We're not even close. We're not even, like, at the tip of the iceberg yet. There's patient protection. Veterans can't use without getting uh, kicked out of their house, even in legal states or for medicinal reasons. There's no um, first responders. Police officers and 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 uh, uh, paramedics and firefighters can't medicinally use without losing their job. Right? There is just so much more. To Teachers, do. doctors. I mean, it goes on <coughs> and on and on. You know, uh, soldiers, um, people with with uh, security clearances. You know, you test negative or positive. I guess it's you test positive in a UA, and you have any kind of a license. Guess what? You might not have that license anymore. You know, Dolores Halbin got attacked with moral turpitude charges, and they were going to take away her nurse's license, and we lobbied on her behalf. And 
ultimately we prevailed and, and she was able to maintain her, her nurse's license. But they they had this big hearing, they were gonna take it away on not a technicality, but moral turpitude issues. That's saying you're a bad person. You've done for a bad for a plant. And her husband died as a result of the raid and, and she's a widow now as a result of this, but she's a bad person because she had plants that helped keep her husband alive. Oh, geez. You know, maybe we got to rethink this thing and maybe correct it just a bit or a lot. Well, listen, Joey, um, I want to get into, you know, you got this new project going on and, you know, you and I and, and the Human Solution have just gotten started working together. It's great to see some fresh blood. Um, you know, uh, I work with a lot of folks that are my age and older, and it's great to see some youth in the in, in the industry that that's moving up and, and caring. I met this other girl who's come into my own company, and she's in her 20s, and she heard about what's going on. She's like, "I'm in." I says, "All right, you know, we got to connect with with the with the you know under 50 crowd, <laughs> you know." Under 40 crowd, under 30 crowd, and she's even in the under 30 crowd. So, anyways, it's exciting to see some people that are not, you know, 200 years old and still care about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is, there's a whole new generation of activists coming up. I mean, uh, Chris Burnish and Zoe Patchell from, um, they both work with Normal. Chris uh, heads up things with uh, Maryland Marijuana Justice. Um, they're both. 20-something, I think. I don't, I don't think they're in their 30s yet. They are bravo, ladies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's this whole new generation that is, I mean, they're not afraid to, to speak out. And right. that's what this new project's kind of all about. But it's not limited to that generation. I mean, we've got we've got everybody from every age group in every city and every state, um, you know, participating in this. Um, Why don't you tell us about it? Well, it's Civilian Platoon 420 um, was born back in April, uh, March or April. There was a particular dispensary in Maryland that filed a lawsuit with the Cannabis Commission to try to stop them from issuing new licenses. Um, now, the patients have been waiting a year for there to be more than, I think, nine or ten cultivators or something. Anyway, um, so the people were not okay with this. Like really, I, I don't care what your reasoning is. You know what I mean? If there needs to be something changed in the bylaws or whatever, it, 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 it was to halt them completely. Um, so a little Facebook group formed up of people in Maryland, um, and we, they were ready to rally. I was out here in Colorado uh, helping everybody organize through this Facebook group. Um, they didn't need to rally. There was going to be this big sit-in. Everybody was communicating. It was very respectful. There was no you know, it was it was just communicating. Here's the facts. Here's what we should talk about. Let's lay it out. We had people ready to send in emails, um, and everybody started sending in individual emails based off of this. Well, because of that community just walking together, that dispensary and cultivator, uh, vertically integrated um, operation, they withdrew their lawsuit. Now I can't I can't you know put all the credit on the platoon. Uh, it was just one of many different groups in Maryland that were doing something. I'm sure other people in the industry uh, were calling and complaining. But the point was the community showed its support of something, and that's the key to all of this. When we have a defendant that's standing up in court and we show up 
and we've got our little solidarity ribbons on or something that says, hey, we're all together for that. That's the community support. That's the key to this. And whether it's the, the civilian platoon 420 and normal and, and the human solution and 10 other groups or one group, it doesn't matter. They see all these people and this clamor and this message that got defined, and they're like, whoa, nobody wants to stand up against that, not even the government. And that's oh, the key yeah. to all of this. It's just there's too much of a fuss. It's, it's you know, people don't want to put in the effort, even if they don't see the passion, which is what when people stand up, that's what they're trying to show. Is they're trying to show their passion sure. of what they really believe in. But even if people don't see that, even if they don't see through that, they still say, I, I don't want to deal with this. I want to get home with my wife and kids and have dinner and watch the football game and not deal with these these people that. Oh, trust me. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about your just your your experience in grassroots uh, activism because I've got, well, close to 20 years of it, but 10 years in the cannabis side of things, and fuck, <laughs> that's all I can say. You know, working with people that, that, that supposedly care, but you know what? It's too much trouble for most people to do anything. And, and, and people will find any reason to walk away from something, like, oh, I can't because. You know, and then the people that are like, well, I have to because are like maybe one out of 20 of the I can't because. And, you know, it's it, it's crazy people like me who just don't have the give up gene. Like when they made me, they're like, okay, let's give him, let's, let's not make him too tall. Let's not make him too, too whatever. Let's give him a little bit of brains. Let's give him a, a little bit of guts and whatever. But, oh, what about the give up? Ah, forget that. He doesn't need it. And that's what they did. They didn't give me the give up part. So when I was my trial, I fought for six years against the government. And I was like, well, give up's not an option, so let's just keep going. And here I am six years later, I'm like, well, give up's still not an issue. Let's keep going. And I always knew that if I just stayed the course, eventually people like you would say, hey, that's a good thing. Let's get together and start working together. And, and, and now – more and more groups are starting to say, yeah, you know, let's get our message. Let's bring it together. Let's find a way to just get this thing done. And then the Walk for Change came about. Pete and Helen Yapel were out there going, you know what, we should do a walk across America. I was like, well, that's cool. Who's going to do it? Because that's a long-ass walk. And they're like, well, we're going to do it anyways. I said, oh, God, okay, fine. Then I guess I'll help. And so here we are, and, and then once I started thinking about it, I started thinking, you know, if we really did this, if we really did this right, it could be one of those defining moments. And I've been studying civil rights leaders for years, and, and, and you know, the likes of Nelson Mandela and, and Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi and all these guys who really, like, changed the world. And I was like, well, what did they do? What did they do? They got a lot of people to say, hey, this is important, and if we all get together with the message and we don't break anything, we can get what we want. And that's the key is don't break anything. You know, don't get out there and be violent. Don't give them any reason to come after us. You do the opposite. You piss them off by not giving you a reason, and you smile at them, and they get so upset. And you're like, ha, 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 you stupid bastard. I got your ass. And and that's what we do. We walk peacefully. We walk with the with the 
with a good message, with a clear message. We, we, we walk in looking like them if we have to. It doesn't matter. We don't give them anything to say, well, see, look. You know, they've been trying to say, well, see, look, pot will kill you forever. They can't do that one. So then they, what do they got? They got us dirty hippies. They got us scumbags. They got us lazy, you know, good for nothing, whatever. Well, it's not always that either, now, is it? <laughs> so that's that's what we got is we got a, a diverse group of people and groups. We've got veterans groups. I've got Native American groups. I've got disabled groups. We've got people all over the country that are like, yeah. I'll, I'll get involved with that. And it's not like everybody has to walk all the way across America. That's 3,000 miles. That's a long-ass walk. Everybody can participate in some way, you know. What if you can't walk at all? Okay, well, donate a little something. We need food. We need we need support vehicles. We need, we need the message to get out. Go tell somebody who can walk. You know, go tell five people who can walk and get one of them to show up, you know. And that's... Couches to sleep on and, and dinner. Yes. So many and, and that's what the walk really means to me is it, it's more than just ending prohibition, which is the main central message. It's, it's a message. So, so many people. It's about togetherness. Yes. And there are so many people that I see on posts uh, of mine that'll that'll say, oh, I don't smoke, but I support you guys, and I'm so happy to yes. finally start seeing those people come out. And um, you know, like anything else, that's only going to grow. My wife doesn't smoke pot, and she's one of the most powerful activists I've ever known in my life. She'll get out there, and I've seen her jump right up in cops' faces in an elevator and, and, and stare them down. I mean, like, you know, I don't know, many times, and, and fearless woman. And, and she doesn't smoke. She gets paranoid when she smokes. She wish she could, but it just doesn't work with her. So you're right. It's, and, but that's it. It's, it's America. It's the uh, land of the free. We we have the right to choose. And, you know, be it cannabis, kratom, anything else, it, 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 you choose what you put in your body. And I don't care if you steal something or if you hurt somebody, it, that that is what's bad. Exactly. Not putting in your body when you do it. Plain and simple. They're two separate issues. And I think if we can separate those two things in this country, maybe people can rehabilitate themselves from addiction. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you can get addicted to anything. Like, of course. You know, hot shopping or coffee. Right? So. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Just a few weeks ago, I did a presentation about the truth about CBD in a in a Baptist congregation, and um, this was a I, I was one of I think five white folks in this in this room of about 150 black folks, and they were all in there. They were all you know devout Baptists, and the pastor was there. And, you know, I come up there with my little presentation, and I, and I promise to have the truth about this stuff, and I promise to answer everybody's questions. And the first thing I did within two minutes of talking to them, I started talking to them about, you probably know somebody that's locked up for cannabis or some nonviolent crime, and that's part of the problem that we have. And I said, you know, prohibition is a symptom of this disease of oppression, and they target the weakest, and they target the poorest, and they target those that have big numbers but don't have the means. And, you know, everybody starts going, yeah, I think I do know somebody. And, um, you know, the pastor hit me with some questions that I wasn't necessarily expecting. 
But that was one of the things he he came at me with the addiction thing. He says, well, I know, I know a lot of people that are working, that are struggling with addiction, and pot is a substance that they sometimes have problems with. And I told him this. I said, you know, you can have a problem with anything. You can have a problem with chocolate. You can have a problem with video games. You can have a problem with Facebook. How many people have a problem spending too much time on social media? You know, you can have a problem with anything. I said, addictive behavior is a problem that has all kinds of reasons and all kinds of ways to get through it. But the thing with cannabis is, yes, you could use cannabis wrong. You could abuse cannabis. You could have cannabis be a negative thing in your life if you wanted to and if you did it incorrectly. But the point is, is it's not going to kill you. You know, chocolate could kill you if you ate enough of it. But cannabis can't. Addictive behavior, you know, use the gym to the point where they get, you know, you see those huge people, like they may be somebody who has addictive behavior, and they pick that healthy addiction. Right. Cannabis is another healthy addiction. You know, shopping. Shopping can destroy a family. Yes. If you're addicted to shopping, you go out and buy too many shoes. I mean, literally millions of people have lost their houses over shopping addiction. So, yeah, we've got to stop blaming the substance or the, the system. Um, and start helping to treat the root of the issue. I had no idea the the severity of gambling addiction, how how really prevalent it was. And, you know, everybody was like these uh, uh, native tribes were getting their casinos, and everybody's like, yeah, good for you. And then you turn around and you find out that people have lost everything, and, 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 and it's all because of that little machine or that little game that they were playing. And, I went into a casino, I don't know, a few years back with my wife when we were went to a concert or something there, and I was looking at, they don't let you put money in the machine anymore. You actually have to go through like a process, and you have to go and get these tokens or, or put in something. It's not like, you can't just take your money out and stuff it in there anymore, at least at this one that I was at. And there were signs all over the place, if you've got a gambling problem, call us. You know, it was like, in the casino, they were addressing this. I was like, wow, that, that's, that's like a, a, an AA sign in a liquor store. You know, you just don't see that, but I saw it. And so, you know, there, there are benign things that can be horribly damaging, and yet, you know, cannabis it has, has healed a 1,000 people to every one person it set back. Yeah, yeah, and you know those signs you saw um, are probably regulatory by the state. Probably. So imagine how many thousands of dollars, and they're doing it to the jewel company right now. Right. You know, there's a lot of where they regulate and and make you spend this extra money. So they're making the companies go broke essentially. I mean, it's kind of mafia-esque, isn't it? Really. Oh, I mean, big time. Yeah. That's that's totally. the problem of all of this. You know, um, they're making this big stink about these vapes. And, and, you know, 16 people have died probably because of something connected to a vape. And yet thousands of people have for sure died because of FDA-approved pharmaceuticals every single year. And everybody knows it. It says right on the bottle of pills, side effects may include death. Yeah, yeah. And that's FDA-approved. Go ahead and take it, but you might die. What the hell is that? That's our regulatory system when it's on their side. So, yeah, yeah it's, it, and that's what this is about. It's about common sense. One of the, Lisa, if you could get one of those cards. I just brought in a box of the cards. We're working out our talking points, and, you know, it's, it's about cannabis prohibition, but 
You know, it's about empowerment. It's about, you know, the power. Who has the power? You have it, and I have it. Okay, if we were just to use it right, and we have it, why? We have it with our vote. We have it with our voice. We have it with our connection to our common man. We have it with, uh, with our ability to bring people together and say, this is what we want, because we get to police ourselves. That's how it actually works. You know, we're not policed by some outside thing. We're supposed to be policed by ourselves, and that's the whole deal. And yet what happens? We get ourselves to where, well, the government... The government did this, and they did that, and I am powerless. You know, everybody feels powerless. Cops come rolling in on you, and, oh, I guess I'm powerless. Well, tell you what, you take a stand, and you say, hey, wait a minute, I know what you said, but that doesn't make it so. You know where I've seen the most lies in my life, aside from the news? Courtroom. I, I have watched cops swear an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the truth, so help them God, and then get up on that stand and tell a bald-faced lie when I was either personally there and saw what happened or was there in the aftermath and saw what was left behind and how they described these events. And I was like, whoa, you can't I've say been, that. I've been in courtrooms, and the judge will catch an officer a lie, but there's no – they do not get reprimanded. Uh, they don't get fired. If I was working at a Walmart and I lied to somebody about the price of something, I'd be fired on the spot. So right. there's no policing of the police. Well, you know, we have a, we do have a tool that we can use, and there's a you can get a cop that gets caught lying on the stand, classified as a Brady cop. And what, there's there's a I, I forget what it is, but there's something that you can file, and it's a. It, it puts them in a category. If they get reprimanded or they get caught lying and there's a transcript that backs it up, it can it can destroy their credibility as a witness from that point forward. They become what's known as a Brady cop. And we did that to a cop, actually a guy named Paul Chabot, who is a total anti-pot activist, um, and uh, Lanny Swerdlow, who's an activist out in the Inland Empire, went up against him in a civil case. And this guy got up and completely lied, and he was still law enforcement. And it was on the record. The cop caught, or the the judge caught his testimony. And from this point forward, his testimony in a court of law would be impugned. It would be nobody would want his testimony anymore. So again, our knowledge is power. If we get to learn these tools that we have, and we learn that, well, hell, you have to go out of your way to do something about it. You have to go and learn the legal uh, tool that you have to have, and you have to learn how to file it, and you have to learn how to, how, to, how to execute it. And it may or may not, you know, judge may or may not grant it, but it, they could. And if they do, you know, again, clink, you get one little, one little uh, piton in the, in the crack there. <laughs> you get one little place to, to grab on and, you know, one more, one more spot to climb up a notch. So, um, you know what? What's no, your... you know, when you mentioned those things, I had to chime in when you're talking about what goes on in the courtroom. Yeah. You're uh, you bring you bring up a very important subject. Hello, everybody. So, for example, you're going to be in Kansas next week. I am. So, uh, if you recall, actually, when you and I met some years ago uh, during the Kyle Harrison case, one of the things that has happened relative to the Brady situation is that they now have lists in various jurisdictions that the 
prosecutors will not call certain cops on the basis of their previous history in Brady violations. Right. There's been actually some pushback by that. I know that uh, New York does it. Uh, you know, California has reciprocal recovery, as you know. Yeah. Um, and in this particular thing, and, and, and Swain had a lot to do with that as far as Cedric County was concerned. But they actually have these lists now uh, to just to amplify what you're talking about. Because in the case of Brady v. Maryland, is the standard. Right. Uh, and, and, it, and, it, and it it revolves around uh, essentially the prosecution has a duty to uh, share exculpatory evidence. And for those who don't know what that is, <laughs> right? yeah, they have a they have a they have a, a they they're bound to do that. How often does that they're happen? Bound to do that. Well, <laughs> you know that the, when people, every, most everybody knows just from watching television that you have the right to confront and your evidence, your witnesses, etc. What you what you also uh, what is missed that you absolutely have the protected right. Let me play clear and amplify your other issue earlier. You have the protected right to have everything that they have on you, and and that includes the stuff that is positive, the, the, the other witnesses, the other possible theories, the, all the investigations that could exonerate you, uh, should exonerate you, and that includes the, that includes the information about police officers. Uh, it's no different than if somebody testifies for character, let's say, in a civil or in a criminal case, and they have um, crimes of moral turpitude, for example, thefts and things like that. It, 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 um, they're allowed to attack a witness on the basis of their credibility on those type of on those type of uh, uh, history, and and yet they try and hide the fact that when the police officers do the same thing, if they have a history of lying in court or violating Brady, so that there is some there is some. Let, let, let me just bring to you a point of reference with regards to exculpatory evidence. When I was raided, I had three dispensary locations. And I had three grow locations, and I had um, a house that I lived in. Uh, my partner had a house. We had a real estate business together, and there was, I don't know, I think there was eight or nine uh, employees slash volunteers that were working for us. They did a simultaneous raid on all of these locations. I think it was 30 locations that they raided all at once so that nobody could get away and go to one place to the next. So they spent, we, we calculated over a quarter million dollars just on the raid itself, the initial execution of the raid. And when they did this, so they, they, they seized everything, right? They took every computer, every box of documents, they just took it all, right? Well, in this mountain of evidence they took, the part that would allow me to prove that I was following the laws where I was at, that I, that I had a right to do what I was supposed to be able to do. And it's, in particular, there was a piece of evidence that was a, uh, an employee file that showed why I fired this guy <clears throat> because of, of some serious breaches of our policy. Well, I specifically asked for that discovery because they took it. There was also, they seized the order that was given by a, a Superior Court judge that determined already that I had been found in compliance of all California law and they had returned my property in the previous case. That also was disappeared. These guys, for over a year and a half of me asking for it, 
would never give it up. They would never, they said, well, you can go search, search through this stuff, but we don't know where it's at. We did search through this stuff. It was nowhere to be found. At the very end of my trial, an 18-day on-the-stand trial, so that's a month-long trial with the charges of sales of a controlled substance, and that's it. At the end of the day, when it was regarding my case, my attorney ended up taking the stand, the very last thing that happened, and testified to that, that he personally went through the evidence and he personally requested from the prosecutor and he personally asked for these things and he was told they didn't exist and he was told that we could look for them and they weren't there. And that was that exculpatory evidence that we're talking about. It never did turn up. And ultimately I was convicted. Overturned it all, but I mean at the end of the day they got their way by hiding that evidence that would have proved what I was trying to prove. And that's just one small teeny little bit. I'm a nobody and they went after me this way. So imagine what they do when they really put their eyes on somebody. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, uh, I wanted to just uh, also make some comments about the walk real quick. Uh, I'll let you get back at it. The, one of the things um, that I want us, I want the world to know about the walk for change is that we're not just out there putting out a message. That's not all that we're doing. And we are seriously trying to make change. There's going to be legislation. Written. We are making change. Trying is for making people change. that fail. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's going to be legislation written. There's going to be there's going to be policy directives. We're going to we're going to hit uh, county commissions, city council, state legislators. You're testifying in front of the state legislator next week in Kansas. For yes, example. I am. You know this part as well. This is not just some random. You know, we're going to shout at the rain. We're no. not shouting at the rain. We we are we are um, demanding that the government make the change that the people want. Period. And, and I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, to our to our listeners and and uh, say hello. Absolutely, and this is Bobby Rodrigo. If you don't know who's talking right now, and and Bobby's been involved with the Walk for Change and and the Human Solution and the Coffee Party and this alliance, and he's actually responsible for putting this Zoom forum uh, together where we can actually see each other talking. Which sure it makes for a nicer conversation, you know. It's it's so hard when you're talking blind and then somebody wants to talk, but it's hard to, like, have that look of, like, I have something I want to say if they can't see you. So this is definitely a, a, a better way to do it. Well, listen, this Walk for Change, uh, I'm gonna, I just got the first uh, little flyers printed up. This is just a little uh, postcard um, that I'm bringing to the rally in Missouri. So on Saturday, our first official rally, we've had a bunch of events that – We've already been talking about this, and we've gotten some, some participation. But in Missouri um, on Saturday, uh, our Kansas chapter, our Missouri chapter, our New York traveling chapter, and a number of local ag advocates and activists are going to be meeting in Missouri, and um, we're going to talk about the first steps of this. And so this is, this is just what we've got as our, our initial messaging. And the mission that we have is through the unity of diverse communities, we will demonstrate the value of peaceful protest to bring about change. And if you think about that, the value of peaceful protest to bring about change is the common denominator of all peaceful revolutions that have ever happened. That is the one thing that Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and everybody else, even the people in Hong Kong, we've all got that in common is that we've, we can use peaceful protest, nonviolent, uh, taking
taking a stand on any level and, and bring about change. And our vision is this. The Walk for Change is an action in motion, providing an organized platform for those seeking a common sense solution to governmental cannabis prohibition. And that that is a point on a map. The, the cannabis prohibition is like the ultimate obvious symptom of the cancer that is tyranny, that is oppression, that is what's happening right now. So, yeah, we're, we got to point our finger at something and the most egregious act of tyranny is saying you can't choose to grow a plant on your own property. You can't choose to ingest a plant on your own in your own house for your own good. You can't choose to take a plant across state lines. You can't choose to sell this plant to your friend or neighbor or anybody you want or trade it for something. You can't choose those things. Those are not okay. Those are oppressive acts that we're here to say, hey, we're, we're done with this. This has got to end. And it's a, it's a target. You know, you think about the right to choose. What do people think? They think about women's rights. They think about, you know, a pretty powerful right, a pretty powerful choice, like the ultimate choice, the choice of literally life over death that a person has with regards to their own body, right? Well, they're, they're allowing assisted suicide right. on occasion. Yes. And that is okay. Yes. Society has come to a point where they understand that, that it is my body, my choice. It extends to everybody and everything. There's no reason that, that these laws and these regulations against cannabis. And it's not just assisted suicide. It's physician-assisted suicide. Right. That very physician. It's ridiculous. I, I use I, I compare it with lavender all the time. Because yeah. cannabis and lavender are about the same thing. Sure. Right? If I get pulled over, okay, and I, there's laws. Like, I can't grow. I, I can only grow so much of anything for personal use, per our, our current regulations, right? And if I distribute those things, I have to pay a capital gains tax, right? So say I'm growing lavender, and I have a ton of lavender in my trunk, and I get pulled over, and the cop smells lavender, okay? And he says, well, that's a whole lot of lavender for one person. I suspect you of trafficking that lavender <laughs> without paying your taxes. What are you going to do? They're going to send you a notice to appear in court. Exactly. They don't do this. They don't do that. So right. It is, it's, it's, there's no excuse. Exactly. It does not fall within the regular confines of how our society typically works. Well, and that's why that's why the walk for change, and and you know when we talk about choices, that that's where we get into our messaging. So in our messaging, we just put a few bullet points. No one should go to jail for a plant. You know. It kind of blows me away that that's even a thing, right? Well, of course, no one should go to jail for a plant. No one should hit their head with a hammer either, right? I mean, you know, there's obvious things out there. No one should take a blowtorch up their nose. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things that shouldn't happen. And going to jail for a plant, I don't know, it seems like, like the most obvious thing that shouldn't happen, right? And here's another one. My body, my disease, my choice. You know, again, it, it just exemplifies this whole notion that we all have all kinds of problems and there's all kinds of ways to solve problems and if it doesn't hurt anybody else, it shouldn't be your problem. And that's the key to this thing. And then here's another one. 
in the tyranny that is cannabis prohibition. I really want the the connection between tyranny, oppression, and prohibition. Those three words are synonymous. You know, people think tyranny, they think about, you know, uh, Mao Zedong or, or, you know, somebody who was just vicious and brutal. Well, yeah, they were, and so, <laughs> so are we. So is this. Yes. And, and nobody understands the severity. This is the biggest social justice, civil rights issue that has ever hit this globe. But you have to realize, too, is this plant's been demonized globally. It's not just one society. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't care whether you're gay, straight, black, Mexican, Chinese, Catholic, atheist, everybody from every culture utilizes cannabis. Yep. Not, not, not everybody. Well, no, there's a, there's a cross-section of every group that has historically used this. And, and in many cases, it's documented throughout history. It's not just like, you know, you go back past 100 years ago, and this wasn't anything. This wasn't even a thing. It was part of the pharmacopoeia. It was part of everyday life. You know, you grew cannabis because you needed rope and, and fiber and you and you needed medicine and, and, and it was good food for the animals and it was just this wonderful plant that everybody grew. And then all of a sudden, just about 100 years ago, all of a sudden everything went to hell and we forgot about the previous five, ten thousand years. Well, here's another one. No more bad laws and no more bad policies. And again, I'm always talking about this. People always come back to me with, well, if it was legal, it would be okay. And I say this, throughout our history, throughout all of society, how many things have been legal that were bad? Okay? Every slavery uh, rule and law from all the way back to the very first slavers in whatever society had them, which was all of them, till till today, where... even still, our, our, our prohibition of slavery doesn't extend to prisons. It says except if you're locked up. Yeah. So we still have slavery today. There's something right now that maybe even you and I do regularly that in 30 years, we think it's okay and nobody has a problem with it, but in 30 years as we evolve as a society, we're going to go, wait a minute, that's not right. We have to change that. So there's, there's no reason to stick within any. Set of None of it. You have to evolve with the way society is evolving. Bad laws need to change, and they first change by breaking them. And and that's what's happened throughout all of history. Every time there was a bad law and enough people started breaking them, then the, the societal change started to come about. Then there became a blowback. And that's what we need to do. We need to break these laws, every single one of them. If there's a law that says you can't, that has to do with your right to use this plant, you should break that law. I break it every chance I get. And and when I get busted for it, I stand up and I fight that because it's a bad law. And it doesn't matter. When somebody comes to me, you know what kills me? Is when people come to me for help because we're a civil rights group and we're here to help people that are fighting their cases, right? And they come to me and they got a pot case. But they leave something out. They leave the fact that, well, I did sell some pot, or I did have 50 pounds, or I did whatever. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you actually really broke the law. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to say you didn't break the law. I'm saying it's a bad law, and we stand behind you. This shouldn't be, you know, we go to federal court, and guess what? Everybody that is in federal court broke that law because there's no exceptions. 
It says, no, you can't have any. You can't have one seed. You can't have one joint. You can't have one plant. You can't even conspire to have one. We're all guilty. Guess what? Bad law. We should stand up against it. So that's that's the point on that. No victim, no crime. This is another thing, you know, where it's about cannabis prohibition, but it's about our policies. It's about criminal justice reform. We didn't build prisons for nonviolent offenders. We built prisons for people that were a threat to society, not only to punish those people, but to protect the rest of society from them. We turned it into a friggin' industrial complex. We turned it into a mammoth industry. We turned it into an economy that whole cities and even counties build their economy around a prison. It's a prison town. You can't come in there and do that. You'll ruin all the jobs for that whole town. Well, guess what? That town needs to get another industry because we can't build an industry off of housing people and locking them up. So that's the key. If if there's no victim, if you were sentenced for a, a crime, and I put quotes around that crime, and that in that sentencing hearing there was not a victim or a victim's family, then there should not possibly be prison involved in the sentence. You know, it should be some kind of an infraction, <coughs> and it should be something that, you know, has some kind of a community service if it's, if it's a conflict with the laws. But in no way ever should there be a victimless crime that involves prison time. And then finally we have bring logic and common sense back to governing. I, I I studied the life of Benjamin Franklin, and, and, and he was a pretty amazing guy. He was kind of a freak, too, in his own way. But one of the things he was about was common sense. He was about trying hard and doing a good job. He was about doing things the best way you could, living life the best way you can, do things that make sense. Our government could make sense because we could make it make sense. But when you look at it, you look at the crazy political nightmare that's going on right now, and I look at both sides of this, like, oh, you guys are fucking crazy, all of you. You're, you're all crazy, like totally crazy. The real problems in life we're not even talking about, and you guys are having a pillow fight, and none of it means anything. And meanwhile, you got people dying here and there and here and there, and nobody's even talking about it. And we're just going, la, 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 la fuck Trump. And I'm like, ha, ah. Yeah, I, there's a. It's turned into like a football rivalry. Thing. Exactly. In high school, or maybe junior high. Maybe junior high. <laughs> there was like Nickelodeon. You know, there was like the two Disney and Nickelodeon camps. Right. So generation. And yeah. High school. That's more. Peanut butter cookies. No chocolate chip cookies. No peanut butter cookies. F you. Ah. What are we arguing? And nobody is bringing up any issue. We no. ask them. We have some real issues that need to be dealt with, and we're not dealing with them. Anyway, so the final point of this is walk for changes you wish to see in the world. That's what this is about. It's an inclusive walk. You know, we, we're championing this specific cause, but this walk is about making the changes. I've got a guy here that's, that's going to be sitting in for the last few minutes, and he's working with the Native American tribes that I've been working with. Um, and that's part of this. You know, the Native American tribes have been – uh, oppressed and swindled and 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 just decimated and, and devastated in every possible way to the point that it's systemic. And I'm working with some of these folks, and, and the, the damage that's happened over the, 
generations of oppression has made most of them not even care, not even like they 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 they're, they're they've become hopeless. And I'm out there sitting here going, well, hey, wait a minute, we could do something. And they're like, yeah, but why? You guys are just gonna fuck us again, anyways. That's what happens. And you come, um, you, know, you come, you come complacent after a while, and and so does. I mean, I think that that happens to a lot of people um, who grew up being, you know, getting a finger pointed at them for cannabis. You yeah. Guys will smoke never hurt anybody. All of a sudden, the parents are like, oh, that he's a criminal, right? right. So maybe little guy did turn into a criminal, but probably because of all the shaving, not because of the weed. Right. So, uh, compassion. We need to focus on that. And that is what I see the central message being in the Walk for Change and it all the mission statements. Totally is. It totally is. And that's, you know, part of what we're doing right now, you know, this is the, we're still in the planning stage of this and we're still looking for people that have experience in this kind of organizing. You know, this is a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a national Thing, but it's actually an international thing. We're going to have legs of this walk being walked in Mexico, in Canada, and hopefully in other places as well. You know, this is a global walk for change. And when we're marching, once we hit the road and we start marching, you know, if somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I'm up in North Dakota and I'd sure like to go from here to here, can I be included? Oh, you bet you can. You bet you can. You know, you come along. Exactly. Go from East. From west to east, that's all we ask. When you're walking, walk from west to east, and and let let's let's just do that. That's the only one thing we'll have in common. But I've got people up in Manitoba, Canada, and BC, Vancouver. Uh, they're they're ready to march. They're telling us where where are we going to go? What do we got to do? And and you know this is all inclusive. People think that wherever we pass some silly law that lets some people do things that we're done, and and all it means is really. We we cracked the door open. We got we we made that first uh, breakthrough that said what could never happen now can happen. But now is when we got to blow that thing open and say, okay, now this is really what we meant. We didn't mean regulation. We meant let's just free it. You know. That's cute, cute guys. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, like, like there are still 90 problems that we can live. Exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, I want to introduce you to some friends of mine right here. I've got Floyd Baring, and Floyd is uh, an Arapaho, and this guy is a wealth of experience and knowledge, and um, he's an amazing guy. He speaks multiple languages, and he's been involved with the, with the Native communities for all his life, and the stories he has and the, the the lessons, and, and I, I'm, I'm hoping to study under him and learn, you know, these ways, and that's, that's what I'm dedicating a piece of my life to, and I've invited him to be part of this walk. So, Floyd, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? This is Joey Lee from Colorado, and uh, she's one of our, our alliance uh, co-groups, and, and, you know, she's one of our leaders. Yes. <clears throat> nice to meet you. My Indian name's Sunroad. And I'm just glad to be part of uh, Joe's friends. I really appreciate Joe. He's very knowledgeable and very intelligent. I appreciate him. Nice to meet you. Excellent. And this is Sergio. And Sergio, I've been working with Sergio for, geez, probably nice seven or eight years now, really. Since the original conviction. Yeah, yeah. Since, you know. Since, I've known you since then. 
Yeah, at least since about 2011, 2012, something like that. Anyways, a while, a while and Sergio's fought his own battles. He's uh, been involved in the legal side of things, and he's helped out a lot of people and worked with uh, a number of the Native American uh, groups. And um, we, we've all been working with, uh, you know, the peyote medicine as well and working with that with that way and the um, – and, and the rights, you know, this is all about the rights, and it's about, um, you know, the protection of, of our choice to practice medicine, religion, um, freedom, the way we see fit if it doesn't hurt anybody else. And that's what this is all about. So these guys are going to be involved, um, you know, in, in the West Coast side of uh, organizing the walk and, and reaching out to other groups outside of just the cannabis world. medicine community and um, yeah bless you this is it's wonderful thank you it's beautiful to see everybody getting on board well you know the better we do this the smaller the world gets and I think that that's kind of the key to it you know when 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 the world gets to be too big we all get to be separate and you know even the cannabis community I've I've I've, I've always called it the activist community with giant air quotes around it because you know, it's it's the most dysfunctional family I've ever worked with. I mean, there's some amazing, wonderful people that will love you one minute and stab you in the back the next. And, you know, it's just like any dysfunctional family, right? You know, but but the truth is, is it's a small world. And if you go and stab one person and you think you're going to walk through this world too long, everybody's going to know you. And the, the Native American world's the same. You know, all of these little worlds are the same. And the the more we really get involved with it and you start to meet the real people, the people that really have the heart, the people that aren't just trying to get their name on a whatever, um, you, you learn that it's a small world. And if, I, if you know somebody in the community, I probably know them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that a whole lot. Everybody's already met somehow that, uh, what was it? What was it saying in the 96 degrees to Kevin Bacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
planning or pulling off any rally or canvassing or lobbying event or, or whatever you've got going on. You got weed maps and leaf weed. You got all these these apps that let you know about paid canvas events coming up. Uh, we're gonna be the app and and the the Good. group um, to let you know about these free rallies and these free lobbying uh, events and these free free canvassing things. Good, good. That's fantastic. Actually, you know, over the years, I've had people say, we need to make an app. Because, like you say, there's hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of little groups. Part of the problem with this dysfunctional family is you get 50, 100 people that all agree on something, and then you get leadership start to bubble up out of it, and then you get egos come out of the leadership, and then one person huffs off and one person huffs off, and then there's another group and another group and another group. And, you know, when I say good, bless you, do that. Do that well, but don't hurt anybody while you're doing it. But the problem is then everything gets weaker because you've got this group doing the same thing this group's doing, and we don't know what's going on or we don't want to be there when that person's there or whatever reason. If we had something that could at least tell us when stuff's happening, you know, yeah. in California there was two or three major events happening the same damn weekend one a couple of years ago. There was the High Times Cup and the – the Victorville Cup, and there's this three things I think they were competing on. What is wrong with you people? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't somebody decide, hey, you get this week, we'll take next month, and we'll take the month after that, and we'll all get to go to all of them? Oh, no, no, no. Communicating with people, reaching out, playing the liaison or the 
the, the green widow instead of the white widow, right? Exactly. That's, that's exactly. what it's all about. There's people that want to talk, and there is a solid small group of people that want to connect these people with each other. So everything gets done. Well, I'm really excited, and I'm hoping that the Civilian Platoon 420 and the Walk for Change are going to be two um, events and organizations that are going to help to bring this together as to one cause that's big enough that if you say no to it, there's probably something wrong with you. You know, I mean, that's really the point of this is that there's – why would anybody not want to support either of these, right? I mean, I, I can't think of a single reason that you'd say, well, I would help, but – well, what's the but? But you don't want to end prohibition or but you don't want to – you know, you want to be oppressed because <laughs> I guess you could just do that. But, you know, and, and, and that's part of why the Walk for Change is, is so important that it's an inclusive uh, event, that it's, that it's not just one organization or two organizations, but all this whole alliance. And, you know, I don't know if uh, Bobby told you, but um, and I, it's premature for me to announce it because it hasn't actually happened, but we're – uh, working at uh, becoming accepted by the Bridge Alliance, which is a, a, a major organization of organizations. And there's 99 nonprofits that are all like-minded, politically-minded, civil rights-minded, and all with the same idea of working peacefully and in harmony and not causing any harm. And, you know, all of these basic tenets that we're standing here saying are good, um, and, and we're possibly, hopefully, going to be inducted into that, and that's going to open up our ability to reach out with this event to some real mainstream uh, organizations that many of us have heard of. So I'm sort of pre, you know, spoiler alerting this one because it hasn't happened. We haven't been approved, but we're being submitted for vetting, and, and I can't see how we wouldn't get approved. So that's the universe. Now it will happen. Exactly. <laughs> Well, listen, I've got a friend of you that's on the line um, that wants to talk. So I'm going to go ahead. Um, looks like Becca has gotten off the line, but let me uh, see who this is. And all I have is friend of Joey Lee to speak. So let's see who this is. And friend of Joey Lee, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Who am I talking to? Are you speak- is, you, do you hear me? This is Duke from the SOS Pack. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, Duke, you are here with me and Joey, and uh, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Yes, sorry for calling in late, but better late than never. I've been busy, it's been crazy, but it sounded really good. I was liking a lot of what I've heard, and actually, I'm the friend who gives uh, Joey the G.I. Mary Jane name, right, Joey? Duke, can she hear me as well? Yeah. Yeah. There's over 400 photo albums. They're mainly about hemp and cannabis events. Also, you mentioned North Dakota and the tribe. I went with the veterans for Standing Rock. We stopped the pipeline when I was out there. Those photos are available. Plus the march. I'm here in Washington. We just had that 51-foot blow-up joint with DCMJ, with Adam, Joey. 
And then I just did a Cannabis uh, Liberation March in uh, Charlottesville in the downtown mall um, as well. But I say what we got to do is, and we're doing it, and we got them on the run. We even had a politician go with us on the Cannabis Liberation March. Politicians are now getting involved and going with it because they know we're calling them out with OpenSecrets.org. It gives us their top 20 sponsors, donors, slash, and how much, and their voting records on We the People. And so uh, we got them on the run, and I say we got to hemp it forward, as you all are doing right now, and as you're saying, with uh, I love acronyms. That's my SOS pack stands for Saving Our Society. It was police and citizens together because my first calling back uh, years ago after a tail end Vietnam era veteran was community policing, then helping the homeless. But then I met LEAP, which was law enforcement against prohibition at the time. But now they're law enforcement action partnership. And they were speaking at a normal event, and that's when I got started and became an addict. And I was a photographer here in Washington for I had a business with Berman, the Stannis, and Dunn. One Jew, one Italian. I'm a stubborn Irish. You brought us all three together. I'm a networker. With my mouth, my cape, I got the hashtag Duke of Hemp because I got knighted at the 45th annual smoking at the White House with a flag that shows the marijuana or hemp leaf with a Cordoza sign and angel wings, and I love it. It says what it it says what it is, and I'm a photographer, and I love it with an image that says what it is, so I wear it to all my events unless I get outlawed with it, and I'm also called Medicine Man with it. So I say with the acronym of HEMP, we help educate misinformed people. We're doing it. We're doing it now. We help educate more people. We're doing it now to help end marijuana prohibition. We're making it happen now, and we got them on the run, and we got to keep them on the run and keep keep stuff like this going. And I have over 400 photo albums to help show different events, to show people and examples how we can go and do it and make it happen. And through my experience, I learned from the police as well. I've added to one of my prize statements that I say because I packed the Constitution, Declaration, Independence, Bill of Rights, all about we the people, all by and for. And we rule, but we rule by one major way. Our strongest political power is voting. So we got to get the word out, and everybody's got to vote and call these suckers out, these prohibitionists with OpenSecrets.org or Normal or DPA, Drug Policy Alliance, or SSDP. Uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, or MPP, Marijuana Policy Project. They all have a re- an ASA, Americans for Safe Access. They all have a report card, A to F, like we used to get in school. Anybody C minus or whatever, they need to go. And we all need, everybody needs to contact their representatives now and put the word out that, you know, if you're not for cannabis, then we're not for you. Because it's proven fact, the government's even patented with patent number 6630507, so they know. And, and we know now, so they need to be called out. If they can't digest it and legalize it, then we don't need them. They're not representing us. They're representing the corporations. They're corporation whores. They're self-service, corrupt corporate government, and they need to go. And they're starting to recognize that now. Congress, I'm seeing. I'm, I'm talking about that. When you're all doing anything here in Washington, let me know. I'm a damn good photographer, and I can get out there and help document it and help hemp it forward for us all as well. Well, and I'm glad to see this shit happen. I like huh? you. That's all I'm gonna tell you. I like you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get with Joey so I can get in direct contact with you. This walk for change. Sounds we're good, gonna man. be in Washington D.C. and uh, we're gonna be walking across the country, 
And as we're walking across the country, we're going to be setting up rallies and press conferences along the way. And when we do that, we're going to be inviting political candidates to come and tell us all about what their policies are with regards to these issues. And we're going to be calling them to task. We're going to give them an opportunity to publicly tell us about how they really feel about these things. And we'll call them on their voting record. And we're going to lay it all out there. That's what we got to do for 2020 vision. That's what we got to do. And in addition, I want to add another thing to your friend that you've been a friend there with, with the Indian tribe as well, because I'm pissed off how they've been screwed over, and it's time to change that Columbus Day to the Indians Day. And along with that, I did the march for Water is Life here in Washington on November uh, 27th in 2016, just before I went to Standing Rock with a busted knee as well, when we stopped them out there with the veterans for Standing Rock. Because my three top issues right now, um, I go with a hashtag Duke of Hemp. I'm with the Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition. We helped make that form bill happen as well uh, because some of the laws on that. And there's a lot happening here in Virginia on that. But um, what was I going to say? Because that's another thing with them. They need to be able to grow the hemp on the the Indian reservations, et cetera. But, um, you know, they – they need to put. They need those, to do whatever um, the hell they want on their reservation land. Yeah, exactly. It's their reservation, and who cares what they want to do as their land? Yeah, yeah. And so as I say, my main marches are hemp and cannabis and water is life, because water is life to us all worldwide. And they're coming after it. The corporates are coming after it. They say they take the land for public, for public use. It's for public abuse and corporate use. You know. They're screwing us over. We can make all this oil and stuff mainly out of the hemp. It's proved it over the years. As you said earlier, when I first got on here, you were talking about that for hundreds of years ago when they used to have the hemp and the cannabis on the shelves as uh, medicine for over hundreds of different ailments. And even the the medical group uh, came up and spoke to try and get it, but they did a hush-hush thing and pushed it through where they outlawed it. And then a year after they outlawed it, I grew up eight miles from the DuPont Corporation plant that opened up as a prototype 1938, and they got a sign out there calling it their strong fiber nylon. And DuPont Circle, where I ended up getting the name in 1996, the Duke of DuPont, because my first calling was community policing. With my camera, I found all the hobnobbing, crack dealing, drinking, drug, and robbing, mug, rest. I don't know what it is, but everybody's camera shot. It wants to violate the law. But then I met Leap, and I said, well, this will help, this will help crime. This will help the homeless. This will help us all. Believe we get cannabis legal and hemp. For land and the people, for humanity healing and the whole nine yards. So, you know, please do use my photos. Yes, do consult with me. Let me also share the word. Let me know when you're doing stuff so I can blast it because right now I'm almost maxed out. I got about 4,800 people, and I went with my beard. I went nationwide like ZZ Top, and they're all hempy and weedy. I love it. And well, Dave, we have um, – Becca is, is running our logistics team and she was involved about 20 years ago in a march across America in support of Leonard Pelletier. And uh, she made that, that journey all the way across the country. So she's involved now, in who organizing. Is I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Who was this? Becca Nichols. She's the treasurer of the Human Solution International, one of the key groups that, that's organizing this walk across America. She walked across America cool. about 20 years ago in support of Leonard Pelletier. 
And so um, I'm looking for people that have experience. So definitely, Joey will, will put me directly in touch with you. Hopefully, if you got a, a few minutes, we can talk or get you on one of our Sound, Sounds cool. Conference. And let me add one more statement. I was telling you about the police. The lead guy, they call him the cowboy. You remember cowboy, uh, Joey? Uh, Howard Woolridge from Leap. Howard? He rode his horse. Yeah. He rode his horse across country yeah. and did a book on it to legalize. He was a cop. Yeah. We know Howard. And yeah, yeah, you both from Frederick. He was from Frederick as well. Remember, as well from, yeah, he's from there, from the front lines of Frederick. But they calls me my, through my networking with the police. I've added to my statement in regards I was telling you about the constitutional. I make a statement that goes, we the people and we for warriors say we the people and we the police too because they, a lot of them are, are fellow veterans and have PTSDs and need it too because they can't lobby. So we the people got to lobby for them and that way to help back us up more because they need it. As well. Absolutely. Well, I, I am very pleased that you found your way to the show, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with you. And uh, ultimately, when our our paths cross, I'm looking forward to meeting you. You 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 know what you're talking about, and you got some heart and passion, and that's what we need more of. So, Duke, it's an absolute pleasure. Sounds good. Well, looking forward to meeting you as well. When you come up near Washington, let me know. I mainly do the DMV deal. I've shot more pictures in the state of Virginia and in the District of Columbia than anybody on this movement because uh, I go well, to the main events because now Washington I'm collecting Social Security and I can go and do it. And I have fun doing it and I enjoy doing it and I don't get paid doing it. It's nice when I get different benefits and this and that, but I'm effective. Ways, I walk yeah. it, talk it, shoot it, and share it. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you being here and uh, hopefully we'll. Uh, We'll have you back on, and we'll be able to continue this conversation. Sounds good. And I'm the National Cannabis Photographer. We just had a little event last night. I got to talk on stage on that on uh, Bus Boys and Poets because I've been doing press for them the past four years on the East Coast. you got to make it out here on the 420. I look forward to it. I'm going to do what I can. We'll keep on marching. Sounds Dude, good. All right. Thank Looking you so much, Duke. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. What an incredible guy, Duke! Wow, I didn't know, I didn't see that one coming. That's that's me awesome. I, I, my smile muscles hurt. It feels like Christmas. I know, me too. It's very seldom I'm impressed by a caller with uh, with as much chutzpah as this guy's got. But it's awesome. Well, listen, we're 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 uh, beyond the point of no return now. We're an hour and 38 minutes into an hour, and uh, so what I'm going to do is go ahead and and turn over the last few minutes to you. And uh, get your parting shot. And, um, you know, this isn't the only time we're ever going to talk. My guess is we're going to continue this conversation all along into and during the walk. Um, but this is really important that when a new group is getting established and, and getting a foothold that we share each other's resources that we take. And, you know, there's a dozen podcasts that we share, swap guests around, and they go – and do this little circuit because each one's got its own uh, network. And, and our goal is to get the word out to as many people as we can. And hopefully the right people will find the right people. And ultimately we're going to get what we want, which is a little freedom, a little liberty. And, um, you know, let's get back to our lives. That's it. Um, yeah, it, it, 
it, it's supernatural, like this whole this whole movement. Um, it's funny when you and I were introduced to each other. Um, Duke and Jason Amatucci from the Virginia uh, Industrial Hemp Coalition, who you may probably know, um, called me from some event, and they're like, they they were egging me on. They're like, Joey, it's, it's time. We need that big rally. We need that big thing, that big blah. And then all of a sudden, you connect and you, you guys are all saying the same thing. It's <laughs> already taken positive steps forward. Nobody's talking about slapping their face up on a poster or doing it for money or fame or, I, you know, and in all the conversations, the last thing any of us have brought up money. Yeah. And it's the biggest thing we need. So, but the intent is there. And I truly do believe that with this group of people that it's not nationwide, it, it expands across. Oh, the it, it's global. It's, 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 it's probably global. interplanetary. Yeah. With <laughs> all, all these people all working for the same intent. It's the same ideas that, that, that the hippie generation had, you know, the one that started this whole revolution. What they did not have was the ease of communication. Right. And, and that's that what I've said many times. That's what I've said so many times. It's like, listen to Look at what they did. You know, look what Gandhi did. Nobody had a goddamn cell phone. Yeah. Most of the yeah. people there didn't even have a telephone. And yeah, yet, what did they do? were there that you never ran across because... There was no cell phone or telephone. So imagine exactly. it, it, it is time, and uh, the walk is going to be big. And yes. I, I don't really dream about it. Like, I envision it. It's, it's, it's part of this fabric now, and that's where we're at. It's the fabric of our reality. And, you know, like I, I've been saying on the meetings, time's a waste, and we've got to really dig in and, and start reeling this together. And so I think this uh, – a uh, civilian platoon is going to be a, a great tool for um, helping us to organize. We're going to have our first real rally <clears throat> in Missouri on Saturday, and uh, it's it's going to be kind of that that launching point. Then I'm off uh, to to speak in front of the Kansas legislators on uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've never done anything like that before. I can't wait. I am so excited. <laughs> You're going to be great. Uh, compassionate communication and the ability to do so is the only thing you need to lobby. And uh, speak, a lot of people are heart. intimidated. I know you're not. Oh no. <laughs> the, the average Joe, not not no pun intended, Joe <laughs> or you, uh, but the average Joe needs to realize that lobbying and talking to your representative is not intimidating. Huh? No, people, they're just people. Like they're talking to dad or their boss. It's, it's, so it, it, they actually work for you. You're, right. You're dad. The boss in that exactly. Case. They're just people, and their job is to represent the other people, and all you're doing is helping them. And that's that's, that's right. And, and a lot of times lobbying, I I, they're so disconnected. I mean, these guys work 12-hour days. They sleep in their office sometimes. Yeah. They really do put in a lot, a lot of time. Working. Sure. They're disconnected to society. Right. It's not that they're ignorant to what's going on because they just don't know. And a lot of times, all it takes is a cup of coffee and a quick conversation, and they're like. But you got to get their attention. Hopefully, you know you you got to have them in an in an in an in an available place where they have a moment of of availability, and then you got to be able to connect with them. And that's you know hopefully what I'm going to bring to this is to be able to look them in the eye and and bring the the experience that I have from a place like California into a place like Kansas and share the experience I have with the people in Kansas, which I have a lot of experience with the people in Kansas. And the plight that they have from not having access, even as we have in California, you know. And so 
hopefully, and, and, you know, our team submitted a bill that's mirrored on the Oklahoma uh, legislation and the one that, in my opinion, makes the most sense that's out there right now. And it makes sense, and they're entertaining it. So we got an opportunity to, to get it in front of them and get a smile on their face. So let's see. Hopefully we can make it happen. Very cool, very cool. And you're way back through, uh, you're flying probably. I'll be flying from Kansas City, yeah. Yeah, we've got, actually, when I get off here, I'm going to a place called the Speakeasy, which is exactly what Yeah, you tell me about that. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. So uh, freedom is coming and it's spreading. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I've, done, I've done work in Colorado. I'm looking forward to coming back and, and anything that has to do with organizing this walk and, and bringing awareness and making this, you know, bringing people together for this common goal, that's I'm I'm that's what I'm here for right now, and I'm giving it all my attention. And you know, it's it can work if enough of us that have that whatever that craziness and 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 focus and whatever, uh, not caring enough about what anybody thinks to get it to happen, which I know enough of us do have that, we can get this, we can get this done. And so that's what we're out here. We're looking at that grabbing that little bit of spark that's in their eyes, and you, you know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. So, awesome, Joey. Well, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on the show. And as always, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to get involved and help help out with uh, with your project? Uh, just com. Um Plain and simple. Everything you need to know is there. You can register your organization uh, so we can keep up to date with your events, keep everybody else notified. You can register yourself. Um, now, we're still in the building phases, so uh, things aren't going to be popping off here too quick. Cool. Uh, but bear with us. There's also an education page, and that's what I'm focusing on most right now, um, is the drug war news. With one arrest every 50 seconds, there's a lot the media isn't telling me. And I'm still able to uh, feature, like, you know, a dozen arrest stories on, on the website every day. Um, and I'm, that's only 10% of what I'm seeing in my alert inbox. And, and that's, that's just a portion of what's going on every day. So you can submit reports um, anonymously if your neighbor got arrested over some nonsense um, and it's not in the papers because, you know, the, the, the media thinks in your town that you're not worth being publicized. You can come to us. Which is most of them, yeah. And what I'm working on right now, you're in California, um, is the Anza arrest, the Riverside County. Yeah. Like, what, I'm I, in Riverside County. Yeah, I I don't want to, you know, take up another 20 minutes of time. No, we can, we'll, we'll have you back up. We'll talk about that because that's right in my backyard. I'm an hour away from Anza. I mean, I yeah. I, I live in unincorporated Riverside County. So, it's, um, I mean, and this has been going on all year, yeah. essentially. Usually it's bad. It's yeah. bad. And, yeah, they, they've uh, hit Hemet, they've hit Paris, they've hit all sorts of the surrounding areas, but they hit Anza really hard. And uh, they got a sheriff in Anza that's just dead set against this. And, you know, and that's what happens. You're dealing with sheriffs that come in to these unincorporated areas, and they say, not in my town, you don't. And, you know, they, they collect all this federal government money and, uh, you know, they put these uh, multi-agency task force together and they got, you know, FBI and, and uh, DEA and ICE and you name it, every agency they can. They get them all together in their helicopters and spend all their money and they come knocking crap down and breaking stuff and bulldozing it and arresting people and it's ugly and it needs to stop. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer resources on bulldozers and helicopters. 
helicopters are, aren't, it's not cool. And and from what I'm hearing, a lot of people aren't even uh, getting convicted. So it's just, it's turning into a matter of destroying people's It's property. robbery. And, no and that the judge is going to drop it, uh, but, but you still got to destroy their stuff, and, and a lot of them are never going to recover. Well, and that's and the key that. A lot of people that, have ended the hospital with, with heart problems after getting their door knocked down or the coffee. Well, that's the thing that people need to realize. Even if you win, you don't win. I fought a battle for six years, and I won. I won three fe- three felony cases, and you know how I won? I didn't get a prison term. You know how I didn't win? I lost six years of my life. I spent 250 days in court. I lost every nickel that I had. I lost my life savings. I lost six years of my life. I lost most of my friends and family, and... But I won. I won 100%. I won everything. That's as good as I could have won. And so now they got one pissed off guy that's here to make a change. That's what they got out of it. And, you know, good for us. One final point, and and, um, my friend Dolores Halbin has been driving this point home. As we're talking about using resources and not using resources, at the same very time that they're spending millions and millions of dollars on this so-called war on drugs, what they're not doing is doing anything to end the homeless problem, not doing anything to end, to, to to fix the veteran problem, and there are thousands, tens of thousands of rape kits that have never been tested, never been tested, and there are people who have been victimized and raped, and they haven't even bothered to find out who might have done it. Instead, they're putting people on helicopters and dropping people onto private property and destroying private property and locking people up. Do you have a problem with that? Because I do. I do. You can't justify that, even in a society that doesn't claim to be free, the best in the, in the world. You can't, you can't justify that. No, you can't. And I think that that's what this is all about, is bringing awareness um, and, and, you know, we're going to continue on. Joey, I respect everything you're doing. I, I am excited that you're out there with a voice and, um, you know, you're walking the walk and doing this. So I'm looking forward to working with your groups and getting you more uh, engaged in, in what we're doing and us more engaged in what you're doing and uh, standing as one team better and better every single day. Likewise, man. Solidarity. It's, it's time and uh, we we can literally move mountains and uh, change our reality as long as we're all doing it together, and uh, it's time. <laughs> it is time. Well, folks, that's it for today's Cup of Joe. Um, we're going to do a special edition on Saturday at 5 o'clock uh, Pacific time, 7 o'clock Central time, and uh, we're going to be podcasting live from the rally. And so until then, uh, let's see what old Willie Nelson has to say about all of this, and we'll see you on Saturday. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my